Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast, your go-to source for personal, professional, and organizational growth and development. We hope you tune in often for all things people management, organizational development and change, organizational leadership, and social impact related. Maximize your personal and organizational potential with Human Capital Innovations Podcast. Welcome to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. In this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode, I explore the recent TED video, Eight Lessons on Building a Company People Enjoy Working For. Welcome back to the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. It's great to be with you again today for this inspiring TED Talks HCI podcast episode. Today I'll be exploring the recent TED video, Eight Lessons on Building a Company People Enjoy Working For. Most companies operate on a set of policies, mandated vacation days, travel guidelines, standard work hours, annual goals, etc. But what happens when a company looks less to control and more to trust? Patty McCord, the iconic former chief talent officer at Netflix, shares the key insights that led her to toss the handbook out the window. I'm excited to explore this video with you today. I'm coming to you from outside on the porch of my in-laws house. Uh, It's a little windy. There's some wind chimes blowing, uh, but it's a beautiful Southern California day. So I hope you'll bear with me. Thanks for joining me and I'll catch you on the flip side of this first clip. HR jargon makes me crazy. We have to have all these stupid acronyms that describe things that nobody understands. OKRs and PIPs. I think we can run our businesses by just talking to each other like regular human beings. We might actually get more done. I really always wanted to be an HR professional. I wanted to be able to speak the language of management. And you know what I've learned after all this time? I don't think any of it matters. There's all kinds of things that we call best practices that aren't best practices at all. How do we know it's best? We don't measure this stuff. In fact, I've learned that best practices usually means copying what everybody else does. Our world is changing and evolving all the time. Here's some lessons to help you adapt. I really appreciate her bluntness. Um, While I don't agree that it all doesn't mean anything, uh, of course it does mean something, and I'm sure she would actually say the same thing if pressed on it. In fact, she says she always wanted to be an HR professional. Um, The reality is so much of the jargon uh, doesn't mean much, uh, and we need to get past it because if we're just playing the game of speaking the jargon and trying to check boxes. We're not really treating people as people. We're not recognizing the innate humanity in the people within our organizations. And and so I completely agree with her there. And I also agree about best practices. Now, is it good to look around and see what other people are doing that's working to see if we can learn from it? Absolutely. But there's nothing sacred about best practices quote unquote. And uh, the reality is what works for one organization often won't work in another context for another organization. Every context matters. So we need to do the work to have the discussions, the conversations, and to analyze the data 
both quantitative and qualitative data within our own organization to know what is best for us. And in fact, that might mean we need to innovate and drive some new solution that no one has ever thought about. There is no best practice because no one's ever done it and we're paving the way. That is something we always need to consider. So I really appreciate her opening framing of this. Basically, I think she's a disruptor and she wants us to challenge what has become the, the, the more commonplace understanding of what HR is all about and we can do better. She's going to lay out several uh, tips and ideas that she thinks we should do as we try to embrace the future of work. Lesson one, your employees are adults. You know, we've created so many layers and so many processes and so many guidelines to keep those employees in place that we've ended up with with systems that treat people like they're children. And they're not. Fully formed adults walk in the door every single day. They have rent payments. They have obligations. They're members of society. They want to create a difference in the world. So if we start with the assumption that everybody comes to work to do an amazing job, you'd be surprised what you get. We absolutely need to treat people like adults. I 100% agree. And so many organizations treat their people like children. I see it constantly, uh, both within organizations where I've worked uh, professionally full-time, but also those that I've consulted with and just others that I'm tangentially unaware of. Uh, The way that the policies, practices, procedures, and culture, the overall environment of most organizations, they're geared towards treating their people as though they're children that they can't be trusted, that they're going to try to get away with doing as little as possible, cutting corners whenever possible, and that they simply can't be trusted. And if that's the way we treat our people, guess what? They're not going to feel appreciated. They're not going to feel valued. They're not going to be loyal or committed to your organization. They're going to punch in, punch out, put in their time, uh, and bide their time until they can find something better. That's not the type of work, workforce we want. And I fully believe in the capacity and the goodness of most people. Now, are there some bad eggs, uh, bad apples? Sure, of course there are. Sometimes it doesn't work out. But most people want to show up to work and do a good job. They want to be successful. They want to help their team be successful, help the organization succeed. They want, they, if for no other reason than they know that that's the best way to help their career. And so it doesn't do anyone any good to show up and to goof off and to not do their work and to not, uh, to not be successful. Now, we need to help them. We need to support them. Uh, and that comes back to this idea of treating them like re- adults. If people feel valued, even if they aren't completely competent at the time, there's things they need to learn and things they need to do to improve their performance. If you invest in them, they will make the effort, but they need to see that you care and that you invest in them and that you're willing to put the effort into them. And when you do that, uh, it will pay huge dividends. Lesson two, the job of management isn't to control people, it's to build great teams. When managers build great teams, Here's how you know it. They've done amazing stuff. Customers are really happy. Those are the metrics that really matter, not the metrics of, do you come to work on time? Did you take your vacation? Did you follow the rules? Did you ask for permission? Lesson two goes along with lesson one. Treat people like adults and don't control people. If we treat them like adults, of course we're not going to try to control them. And ultimately, we are always going to be looking for ways to build out the capacities of both individuals and to create exceptional teams. That's the number one goal of leadership is to develop the people around them to maximize and fulfill their full potential, individually as teams and as organizations. 
if we are always trying to tightly control and micromanage what everyone is doing, not only do they not feel trusted, they don't feel like adults, uh, ultimately they're not going to be empowered, but they're not going to be innovative. They're not going to be successful and creative to to drive those positive customer outcomes and focus on what actually matters. There's so many of the metrics that just don't matter, but how do the customers feel after interacting with your team? Uh, what's the customer retention like? What are those major meta metrics that actually make a difference for the success of the organization? And let most of the other stuff go. Like who cares if someone shows up five minutes late to their shift? They very well may have a good reason. Why are you wasting any of your energy on that? Show your people you trust them, that you care about them, that you understand life happens, and that ultimately you want to see performance out of them, not the meaningless FaceTime, uh, not arbitrary amount of time sitting behind their desk, but actual performance. Lesson three, people want to do work that means something. After they do it, they should be free to move on careers or journeys. Nobody's going to want to do the same thing for 60 years. So the idea of keeping people for the sake of keeping them really hurts both of us. Instead, what if we created companies that were great places to be from? And everyone who leaves you becomes an ambassador for not only your product, but who you are and how you operate. And when you spread that kind of excitement throughout the world, then we make all of our companies better. I love the idea of focusing on meaningful work for your people. And that means the jobs that you design in your team and the type of work that your people do. But that also means that eventually your people might outgrow their current role. Now, I am a, a big believer in providing pathways, multiple pathways for people to grow within your organization. We want uh succession planning, career development planning, and we need to support our people to take on new roles within your organization whenever possible. That's not always possible, and so let's also support our people to develop their careers, whether it's with the current organization or if it's somewhere else. And like she says, let them be the greatest ambassadors for your organization, that your organization is a great place to be from, that people know when they hire someone from your organization, they're getting an amazing contributor to their team. Ultimately, it doesn't need to be an us versus them kind of a mentality, which I think often happens. It's often why organizations don't invest in their people because they don't see them as sticking around very long. So they don't want to uh, train them. They don't want to develop them because they're just going to leave in a year or two years. Treat your people as though they're going to be there and to stay and that you want them to be the next great leaders of your organization. Some of them will stay and they will become the next great leaders of your organization. Some of them will leave and they'll become the greatest ambassadors for your organization. Lesson four, everyone in your company should understand the business. Now, based on the assumption that we've got smart adults here, the most important thing we can teach them is how our business works. When I look at companies that are moving fast, that are really innovating, that are doing amazing things with agility and speed, it's because they're collaborative. The best thing that we can do is constantly teach each other what we do, what matters to us, what we measure, what goodness looks like, so that we can all drive towards achieving the same thing. The number one fundamental lesson of strategic HR is that the human capital of your organization is its greatest asset, or at least among the greatest assets, because it's the people within the organization that produce. It's the people in the organization that innovate, that create, that interact with the customers and inter interface um, that are the liaisons between the organization's products and services and the customer. So ultimately, 
HR and strategic HR is all about helping people to really know the business. Whether they have HR in their job title or not, every individual in the organization needs to know the business, and particularly the HR people. Uh, if you have an HR role, know the business. Know the jargon of the business. Know the, the main outcomes and indicators of the business. Know what makes the organization be successful. Help your people throughout the organization. Help people on your team as a leader. Help them understand what they do and how they impact the business. Create opportunities, create mechanisms for sharing where people can can share what they do and what their aspect of the business is so that people can have a holistic picture of what the organization is all about and what it's accomplishing. Break down the silos, have multifunctional teams, and ultimately help everyone better understand what each other does. That will help drive greater success or leverage, leveraging of the human capital within the business. I'm excited to announce the publication of my new book from HCI Press, The Alchemy of Truly Remarkable Leadership, Ordinary Everyday Actions That Produce Extraordinary Results. Consider how the nature of work has shifted over the past 50 years. With increased globalization, rapid technological advancement, and the shift in economic composition, the average job of today looks very different than the average job of 50 years ago. What will the jobs and organizations of tomorrow look like? Moreover, what does this all mean for organizational leaders? What are the core competencies and capabilities of organizations and their leadership that are prepared for continued disruption and geopolitical and socioeconomic shifts? Regardless of what the future holds, increasingly, leaders need to be socially minded, data-driven, decisive, champions of talent, and disruptors of the traditional notions of leadership, teams, organizations, and work. The alchemy of truly remarkable leadership will help you to explore your own leadership competencies and capabilities and consider ways to apply and implement them into your workplace and personal life. Lesson five, everyone in your company should be able to handle the truth. You know why people say giving feedback is so hard? They don't practice. Let's take the annual performance review. What else do you do in your whole life that you're really good at that you only do once a year? Here's what I found. Humans can hear anything if it's true. So let's rethink the word feedback and think about it as telling people the truth, the honest truth about what they're doing right and what they're doing wrong in the moment when they're doing it. That good thing you just did, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Go do that again. And people will do that again today, three more times. Create an open culture of psychological safety where people can openly share with each other, where everyone is given permission and really understands the shared expectation to mentor, to coach, and to provide regular feedback to each other on an ongoing basis. Now, she quibbles with the word feedback. Uh, ultimately, uh, I, I'm not here to play semantic games, and whether you don't like the word feedback or not, I don't really care. But the principle here is that, yes, everyone needs to practice and be engaged in the practice of having meaningful 
conversations with each other, even when it's difficult. So mentoring, coaching conversations, uh, performance feedback conversations, these often can be uncomfortable, but they're only uncomfortable because you're not used to it. If we have shared expectation, we have a culture of psychological safety in the workplace where people know they're not going to be um, dinged or somehow negatively impacted because they speak up and speak out and share with others, with anyone in the organization, whether it be the, their subordinate, their team member, or their boss, uh, or their boss's boss, about something that could be improved. When we create that kind of an environment, people will be okay with the feedback. People crave truth. They crave authenticity. They want you to be a straight shooter. They don't want the political games and they don't want uh, to wonder where they stand with you. So just have regular conversations and speak the truth. If you want an organization of trust, you have to have an organization of truth telling and authenticity where there's psychological safety. Lesson six, your company needs to live out its values. So I was talking to a company not long ago to the CEO. He was having trouble because the company was rocky and things weren't getting done on time and he felt like things were sloppy. And this also was a man who I observed never showed up to any meeting on time, ever. If you're part of a leadership team, the most important thing that you can do to uphold your values is to live them. People can't be what they can't see. If we say, yes, we're here for equality, and then we proudly pound our chests because we achieved 30% representation of women on an executive team, well, that's not equal. That's 30%. Leaders within the organization need to walk the walk. You can espouse values all day long, and I think it's good to have uh, aspirational values. We don't need to be perfect. Nobody needs to be able to fulfill everything perfectly all the time. But if we have espoused values, we need to make a good faith effort towards uh, actually living them and doing what we say we want to do. And her example of the executive who's frustrated because everyone's so sloppy, that the organization's a sloppy organization, people uh, aren't disciplined. And then she says, well, this person never shows up to a meeting on time. What what message does that send? It sends the message that you and your current business matters more than the time of the people that you're working with. And so what message are they going to take away from that? Of course, whatever they're doing matters more than the people who are their subordinates. Uh, and that creates a dysfunctional kind of a, a an organization, of a dysfunctional system. Certainly, it doesn't foster trust or breed this notion of mutual accountability and shared expectations that we really need to foster with an organization. So just do what you say you're going to do. And if, if it's important to you that people show up on time to meetings, then make it a point to be on time to meetings. You don't need to be perfect. You might miss from time to time. There, Everyone knows there's good reasons why executives and why leaders sometimes are late or have to miss a meeting. But if that becomes the norm where you're always gone, of course nobody's going to trust you. They're not going to take you seriously. And they shouldn't, frankly, take you seriously. So take a good hard look at yourself. Take a good hard look at your practices and how you live up to the espoused values that you proclaim within your team, within your organization. And where necessary, make some changes and get your team together and say, hey, you know, own it. Just say, hey, we haven't been great at this. I still really believe in this. This is something that's important to me. I'm committed to trying to make a difference uh, starting today, and I want you to hold me accountable. I'm going to hold you accountable. And then just set a goal together, and then find opportunities to, to loop back and to feedback on how you're doing. 
Nobody expects perfection, but they do expect good faith effort. Lesson seven, all startup ideas are stupid. I spend a lot of time with startups, and I have a lot of friends that work in larger, more established companies, and they're always poo-pooing the companies that I work with. That is such a stupid idea. Well, guess what? All startup ideas are stupid. If they were reasonable, somebody else would have already been doing them. The notion that all startup ideas are stupid is is kind of a funny way to frame it. Obviously, she doesn't actually think they're all stupid. Uh, the reality is all startups have unique ideas. If they didn't have unique ideas, then someone else would have already done it. Someone else would have already tried to solve the problem or or fill the gap in the marketplace. And so we can often poo-poo people for coming up with quote-unquote stupid ideas, completely unreasonable ideas, whether it's a new startup or whether it's within our own organization where someone's trying to start a new program, someone's trying to foster some new initiative or whatever the case may be, that we we, we need to pay attention to the creative ideas. Not everything's going to work. Not everything's going to stick. Of course not. Uh, most startups don't end up uh, actually uh, working and, and sustain, sustaining themselves. We all know that. But that doesn't change the reality that we need to constantly be trying to innovate, especially if we want to be relevant in the future of work in the new economy. And so let's create an environment where people not where people don't uh, openly challenge new creative ideas, but where people are incentivized to to be innovative and creative and they're held accountable for innovation. They're held accountable uh, to share new ideas and to try new things and to iterate and to fall forward and to fail fast and all of those cliches that ultimately that's what we want. And when we don't have that, that's when the organization is really in trouble. Lesson eight, every company needs to be excited for change. Beware of the smoke of nostalgia. If you find yourself saying, remember the way it used to be, I want you to shift your thinking to say, think about the way it's going to be. If I had a dream company, I would walk in the door and I would say, everything's changed, all bets are off. We're running as fast as we can to the right, and now we're going to take a hard left. And everybody in the company would stand up and go, yes. It's a pretty exciting world out there, and it's changing all the time. The more we embrace it, the more we get excited about it, the more fun we're going to have. This last lesson goes along with some of the previous lessons. Ultimately, if we're going to be prepared for a hyper-competitive, globally interconnected marketplace, uh, both in terms of our customers but also the labor market, trying to attract and retain the very best people, we constantly need to be open to change. We need to have a growth mindset, an abundance mindset as an organization. We have to create a learning organization, an environment where people constantly are trying to innovate and to drive change. If people are resistant to change within our team, then we are going to stagnate and we are going to become certainly less effective, but probably even completely irrelevant within our industry, within our field. So let's try to continually learn. Let's try to develop each other. Let's try to push the envelope. Let's try to break down resistance to change. And let's try to constantly embrace the opportunity for growth, learning, and development. I love everything about the idea of embracing change. That's the kind of environment that I want to work in. And that's the kind of team that I want to lead. I really love this video. I I love all of her lessons. I think those are great tips, great ways of framing and understanding uh, the role of HR, strategic HR, and trying to help organizations to maximize the potential of their people. 
if we're getting stuck in the jargon, if we're getting stuck in the processes, if we're getting stuck in the checklists, uh, then we're not really fulfilling the the actual role of HR, the actual opportunity we have within organizations to connect to the collective genius of our people. So I hope we can all try to do a little bit better, try to lead uh, in a way that will allow us uh, to tap into to uh, the, the, the potential of our people. And ultimately, I think that'll help not only us look good as leaders, but help our organizations uh, to be more effective, to be more profitable, and at the end of the day, actually have a bigger impact in the world around us. As always, thanks for joining me for this episode. I hope everyone can stay healthy and safe, that you can find meaning and purpose at work each and every day, and I hope you have a great week. We are excited about the launch of HCI's new magazine, Human Capital Leadership. Human Capital Leadership is a free, interactive e-magazine designed to help individuals, leaders, and organizations find innovative approaches to maximize their human capital potential. We will be publishing issues quarterly in August, November, February, and May. Check out the first issue and let us know what you think. Thanks again for joining us for this episode of the Human Capital Innovations Podcast. I hope you stay healthy and safe and that you have a great week. Check out our new weekly LinkedIn newsletter, Alchemizing Human Capital, exploring industry trends via original research and interviews with executives and thought leaders from across the globe. We look forward to having you join us.